Recovery means to me is freedom and peace. There is hope. Recovery is awesome. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. There is hope. Recovery is possible. There is hope. Recovery to me means freedom. Recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is always possible. It's fantastic. Progress, not perfection. Recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is a journey, not a destination. Welcome to Recovery Talks. This is Leah Wetzel. Okinastu Nidanaku Ayopunagaki Ayopskanibigani. I'm really excited for today's podcast and interview. We're here with Ryan Jackson. Um, he's been amazing in bringing in strength and sustainability to the Well Writing Movement in Great Falls. Um, it's been astonishing to watch him grow and really take the lead in this recovery movement for our population, for our Native American relatives. And him and I have only been introduced a couple times, um, but I tell you what, in the last few months, I've heard his name come up so many times about the great things he's doing. So I'm really excited he was able to take time today um, to visit with us. And I'm really excited for our listeners uh, to really hear a little bit about him and his story and what he's doing. So uh, Ryan, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, hello, my name is Ryan Jackson. I'm 36 years old. I'm from, I grew up in uh, Fort Peck Indian Reservation. Um, I'm a Cinnaboyan on my dad's side from the Red Bottom Clan, and I'm Hidatsa uh, from the Chicken Clan on my mother's side. My dad's name is Richard Jackson. Uh, my mother's name is Bernadette Jackson. Um, I was raised in Wood Point. Uh, most of my life, I'm an enrolled member from three affiliated tribes in Fort Berthold, North Dakota. Uh, you know, I was raised traditional, you know, majority of my life. And, uh, you know, just growing up on the reservation was, uh, it, it was challenging at times. But I think that it's it's safe to say that I was raised in a good family. You know, my, my both my parents were there, They're still there in my life to this day. Um, but... You know, like it, most most uh, people on the reservation, I, I was introduced to drugs and alcohol and, you know, life on the reservation, was, there's a lot of violence and, and things that go on there that, you know, it's 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 hard to, you know, walk around those issues on a daily basis growing up there. Uh, so very young, I started drinking and uh, using drugs, started smoking weed very young, uh, started drinking about 14 years old. Uh, I was introduced to methamphetamines about 14 years old. Um, went to school, still went to school every day, but uh, got into um, prescription amphetamines, Adderall, things like that. You know, I used them all through high school. Um, went to treatment uh, one time in high school uh, for drinking. Uh, and then I guess it just kind of was started to spiral out and so I knew I was getting in a lot of trouble and, and was went to juvenile hall for a little while on the reservation in Poplar and you know I just got in, got really involved in that lifestyle of um, you know gang activity and violence and, and, and drinking and drugs and, and street life running around 
So I started talking to a Marine Corps recruiter and I, I, I made a commitment to go to the Marine Corps when I turned 18 years old. And um, so I graduated high school. I uh, went to Marine Corps boot camp 2005, uh, completed Marine Corps boot camp 2006, went to uh, Camp Pendleton, Fort Leonard, Missouri, got to travel around, learned how to drive trucks. Um, and then as I was in the Marine Corps, my drinking and drug using, didn't, it never went away. It just kept on uh, progressively getting worse. And so uh, I went to Marine Corps Base Hawaii. I was stationed in Hawaii. I was a Humvee instructor out there. You know, I did a lot of did a lot of cool things, a lot of good training and things like that. I got to be on the ship, and um, you know, it was great, and I and I loved it. And well, I remember uh, being a young man, and my dad would always tell me, you know, one of the greatest things that we could do is is to be of service to our people and be, become a warrior for our people. And the Marine Corps was at that time in my life was the uh, the best way that I could I could do that for my people. So that's what I did, and I went and and I was serving in the Marine Corps. But um, what happened was uh, a random drug test had come up, and I'd been using methamphetamines in Hawaii, and 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 I and I came up dirty on UA. So there's a zero tolerance policy in the Marine Corps, so I got sent home, you know, and I didn't get to fulfill my my commitment of four years. And I went home early, you know, and that was pretty devastating. Um, I felt ashamed and, and embarrassed, you know, I, like I uh, honored my end of my deal to the Marine Corps. And so I went home and um, got right back into drinking and drugging and, and things like that. And uh, I was in a very dark place. You know, I was dealing with depression and, and um, you know, there was, you know, a lot of things people, sometimes people don't understand that you don't, you don't have to go to war to have PTSD, you know, and, and so I, I dealt with some some things and, and I brought home a lot of things with me that I didn't I didn't live with. So got into drinking and drugging again. It was really really violent when I came home from the Marine Corps and uh did a lot of fighting. Um actually got in trouble for for burning a house down on the reservation when I came home from the Marine Corps. The same year I came home, I, I got I burned a house down and, and got indicted. Uh, by the United States government, and I ended up getting convicted in 2010 of an arson one with the risk of death, which is the um, the worst you know form of arson that you can do. And um, so they sent me. I got sent to prison the first time, 45 months. Spent spent many years of my life after that in and out of prison. Um, and with that came a lot of drug use, uh, a lot of depression, um, very a lot of violence. You know the things that go on in prison are sometimes unspeakable and and it's a hard it's a hard way to live and coming in and out of prison it was um it took it it was it was taxing it took stolen me and i i always tell my mom you know it's like a, if you think of a light switch it's like turning a light switch on and turning it off in and out of prison you know in it because because if you live the way you live in prison on the streets you're going to fail if you live the way you live on the streets in prison you're going to fail so you have to teeter-totter back and forth with this mindset of, you know, I want to be a son, I want to be a brother, I want to do good, as opposed to I don't care, I'm fighting for my life, I'll do whatever it takes, I'm, I don't care kind of mindset. So, you know, I battled with that on and off from 2010 till 2019, I finally discharged from um, federal prison. And then, you know, I just, 
not a lot of things changed at this time in my life. And I had been introduced to uh, a few things in prison, a few treatments. Uh, well, variety was probably the, the one thing that stood out the most to me. And while, um, so I, I, I got out of prison in 2019, ran around the streets some more, you know, I just it really didn't, nothing, not a lot had changed in those last nine years. So, uh, so about four years went on and then, um, just recently within, uh, this, at the beginning of, uh, 2023, January, I actually was stopped, uh, and charged with, um, uh, felony or I got charged with unlawful possession of a firearm by a convicted person, which is kind of, uh, one of those things that really, you know, I, I get it. There's no black and there's no, no gray areas. It's a black and white you can carry or you can't. And being a Marine, I always think that, you know, it's my right to carry arms, but the law mm-hmm. states, I'm not allowed to carry that. So I battled with this back and forth. And, and so I went to, I went, got in trouble again and I was getting ready to go home because a couple of years ago, I lost my partner. Um, after I got out of prison, we were drinking and stuff. In 2021, I lost my partner. She uh, drank herself to death. And that was my, uh, two of my kids' mom. And, and at that time, I had was grieving the loss of her, but you know, I I I failed to, you know, I failed to see that my 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 children were grieving too. And at that time of my life, I was very um, I I guess I just kind of shut down and and I I turned away from my family and I went off on my own and and, and I got real lost for a long time, and so. I started getting this this um, mindset that I wanted to go home and I wanted my to be back in my boys' life, and so actually a couple of days before I got arrested, I told my my son, you know, hey, I'm gonna come home and and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. You know, I'm sorry that I left, and he said, you promised, Dad. I said, I promise, son. I promise. You know, and un- unknowingly at that time that I was gonna break that promise to him because I ended up going to jail and uh, I called him and. You know, he was pretty, uh, pretty upset and he was pretty bent out of shape, you know, and, and, you know, he's, he cried and he screamed at me on the phone and, you know, dad, why aren't you here? You know, and that was probably one of the, you know, next to losing their mom, it was probably one of the worst, worst times of my life. You know, I, um, I started, I started going back and forth in my mind with this thing about a better life and the, the lifestyle of, you know, waking up in a jail cell, coming off of, off of drugs and, and, and alcohol and, you know, just that, you know, here I am again, here I am in a jail cell again, like, you know, I'm, how, how did I let this happen, you know, and like, not, not knowing what I was going to do, that's a pretty, that's a pretty low feeling to have, and it's a pretty cracked feeling to go through and, and to battle with within yourself, and so I started making this decision in my mind that I was going to, I was going to do better, I was going to, I was going to get out, and, and I didn't know how I was going to do this, because I was, I was 100% certain, hands down, that I was going back to prison, but Luckily, there's a program in Great Falls called the Veterans Treatment Court, and they, um, Judge Best, uh, she actually uh, offered me the deal to go to Veterans Treatment Court rather than go to the Montana State Prison. And so I jumped on that. But I remember before that, though, um, not knowing what was going to happen to me, I, I was I was sitting in my cell one day, and I was just, I was just not really in a good good mindset. It was sleeping all day you know um and so I, I i talked to god for about a week 
I told God, if you give me a chance, give me a chance to be a dad again. I, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll do everything that I'm supposed to do. I'll get back on this red road and I'll, and I'll, I'll do, I'll live a good life. And, and if that's what you want, and let me get out. Let me be, let me be a dad again. And it, and in my mind, it would be nice for it to like. Right here we go. Doors open. I'm back on the streets. But of course, it doesn't work like that. You know. And, and so as time went, a couple more months went on, and and so I I made a decision. You know, I, I quit. I quit doing drugs. I stepped away from the gang life. I stepped away from the violence, and you know all these things. I started going to church every night. Uh, I started praying every day at every meal. You know, and I and I. I practiced this day in and day out, but then there would be days where I would battle with myself. I'd go back and forth like, man, like, you know, what am, what am I doing? Well, I'm wasting my time, you know, like, and then some days I'd be like, you got to have faith. You got to believe the prop, trust in the process. Things are going to work out. It takes time. It's not, on, it's not on, I don't have a say in this. And, and it, it happens, but it doesn't happen in the snap of a finger. And it slowly started happening. These things started happening in my life. And I started noticing these changes. And I started meeting these people. And they would come and they'd say, all right, we're, we're going to help you. All right, Ryan, we, you got to do this. You got to do that. And if you do that, we'll help you we'll get into this treatment. So I was, all right. So I started committing my life. And, and I started committing my mind. You know, and then I, it didn't really happen until the day that I, I got out of jail. I eventually got the deal and they let me in the veteran treatment court and I, and I got out of jail in exchange for treatment for 14, 18 months. You don't have to go to prison for four years. So of course, you know, okay. And it's easy to say that when you're in jail, you know, like, you know I'm never going to do this again. I'm going to change my ways, you know, and it's really easy to get caught up in that whole for me situation. But if you, if you believe in your mind that you, you know that, and I, and I, for me, I believed that I was going to change, and I, and I made a decision in my mind. But I would doubt myself. But I believed in my mind that I was going to have a better life, and I, and I was going to change, and I was going to do something different this time. And I wasn't just going to get out and get high. Then I wasn't going to get out and start, you know, fighting around, get back in the lifestyle. So, I, I get out. Of, I get out of jail, and. I'm I'm getting into veteran treatment court and I'm meeting all these people and I'm just like, oh, this is too much for me. You know, like I can't do this. And it was just, they don't understand. Like they just want this, they just want that, you know. But I uh some things started happening, I guess. Uh people started telling me, you know, you gotta trust trust in God, trust that He has a plan for you. And um I actually got a sponsor, uh well. I think it's funny because I was telling people, you know, like for me, I didn't get a sponsor. A sponsor got me, you know, and so <laughs> I actually saved my life because this, this my sponsor approached me and he goes, hey, you got a sponsor? And I said, no. And he goes, well, I'm going to help you. I think I can help you. And I said, all right, well, you know, if you think you can, then you can. And um, he started working with me and getting me along. He would give me rights to meetings and things like that. And I really wasn't really involved in things like you know, I wasn't really into it, but I would go because I know I knew that I needed to be there. But um, I I was going to meet a um, a man named Dean Snow at Sober Life at the Alliance for Youth, and we I was going up there, going to meet him, and and um, I actually could smell some sage, and I was thinking, man, what is that? So me and another Marine went around into this room, and there was a talking circle going on there. And so we went in, we sat down, and there was uh, maybe about 15 people in there. So we sat down, and, and you know, it, it was a great meeting. The, the feather was going around, and so I sat down so I could talk with the feather. 
And when the feather got to me, it just, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's, I guess you could call it a spiritual awakening or you could, um, you know, a, a moment of clarity or an aha moment. Well, however you want to think of it, but basically what happened for me was I got this feather and that feather reached in and it, and it grabbed, it grabbed my spirit, grabbed my heart. And so he told me to speak, speak from the heart, be authentic, be honest and be truthful. And so basically what, what happens is this, this feather comes around, comes to me and I started talking about the feather, about the, our traditional way of life and what that feather means to us and, you know, and how serious we're supposed to take this feather and that it's not something to be played with. You know, we're not in this circle to be, you know, putting it on the back of your head. We're not playing Indian, you know, things like that. And, and to be authentic, be honest, speak from your heart and talk to God and be careful what you ask for because if you ask God for something and he gives it to you, you can never give that back. And so I, I had said that at the meeting. And so I passed the feather. And then after the meeting, um, a couple of treatment assistants from the treatment center came over to me and they said, hey, do you think you could come back next week? And I said, sure. And so that's kind of how I got involved with Whole Variety. But I guess, you know, to backtrack a little bit, I was still, you know, battling with these things. And, you know, and I, and I didn't really have a, a lot you know, when I came out of jail. You know, I had... Um, a set of clothes. I didn't have a plan. Uh, I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a, uh, any money. I didn't know where I was going to stay. I didn't know where I was going to eat that day. And, you know, I walked down the hill and, and, you know, one of the things that I learned that day was if I need help, I, it's all right. I can ask for help because as opposed to the old world of drugs and violence and things like that, where if you ask somebody for something, you're going to have to either repay that or they're going to want something in return. Whereas... Yeah. That, the sobriety world more than enough people are willing to help you without anything in return if you need a hand they will turn around they'll grab you and pick you up and help you on your way and the list goes on and on about the people who helped me in my life um kathy hankis from veteran street mccourt Paige thomas from Illuvian, dean snow uh, andy from sober life um jackie from Rocky Mountain Treatment Center, Steve, Jeff, John, Johns, you know, like the list goes on and on about the people that just uh, were willing to give me a chance. You know, when, when most of my life I wasn't given a lot of chances, you know, basically I would just chalk things up and I was told never ask people for nothing because I felt like uh, I was so used to being stereotyped, having a stigma. Oh, there's another Native American. Oh, there's, he's got tattoos on his face. Oh, he's a convict. He's, He's a drunk, he's a meth addict, you know, all these things. I, I've been so accustomed to hearing that, that that's who I became. And, and I didn't allow myself to have anything more than that. So you're working at Rocky Mountain Treatment Center now, right? Yes, I, I'm a treatment center now at Rocky Mountain Treatment Center, um, a treatment assistant. And it's crazy how it happened. Uh, so... I would been been around the meetings, was helping with the talking circles, and then uh, one of the TAs they go, "Hey man, you should come and apply over at Rocky Mountain Treatment Center." And I said, "Oh, I'll give it, I'll give it a try." And I'd been working at the Motel Six cleaning rooms, and then I was over making sandwiches at Tom Pump at the deli, you know, and and you know, not that they're bad jobs or nothing, but they're just some jobs are not for some people, you know. And so, like, I came in and I applied, and they actually said, "You know, well, Ryan, you know, you don't, you don't think you have enough, you know, sobriety time." I said, "You know, that's fine. Hey, thanks." We'll call you 
when the time comes, I said, all right, hey, that's cool. You know, like, thanks. Thanks for at least doing an interview. And a couple of days later, they actually called me back and uh, go, hey, Ryan, you still want to work here? And I say, yeah, I would love to work for you guys. Well, why don't you come on back? We um, we talked about it and we think that you would uh, you'd, you'd really benefit our team. So we want to put you on the team. And so actually, you know, come to find out that Jackie, Jackie Cost had actually went, stuck her neck out on the line and, you know, put her name on it saying that she'd seen me around and, you know, heard me speak and things like that and, and told me, hey, we think we could use this kid and get him on the team with us. And so that's all I awesome. came from. And uh, Rocky Mountain Treatment Center is one of those places where it just, once I came in the door here and started helping and it just felt good to just to be a part of something that people were helping, like that opened my mind to a whole other avenue of a life I never could have never expected. Like people, when they get when you get sober, like it, it's cool and it's great, and like you get past the stigmas and and start learning how to how to you know. I, um, I told some clients last night, you know, we when you know step one, we admit we're powerless over alcohol and that our lives are becoming manageable. Well we're still powerless, just not over alcohol and your lives become manageable is basically when you start learning that first step is kind of what happened for me. And so I, you know, I'm still not in control. God still runs my life, but it's powerless over alcohol, you know? So, and it's not the, you know, it's manageable today. So, but so I got involved in the wall, but things started happening for me and the circle started getting bigger and, you know, um, I just, it wasn't really nothing special. I would just come in and sit down and talk and, and I would just explain, you know, how important it is to feathers. And I had this um this little exercise I do with the feather and I and I explain how if you think of God as like uh the doctor and if the prescription is the feather kind of deal, and like when you go and you talk to God and, and then he gives you a prescription and that's the feather, and then you know, basically the grandfather gives us this feather as as a tool to use and then God puts his prescription on it. And then, so when we have this feather and we're talking to God, you know, you don't, you would never take a prescription when you come out of the doctor and you wouldn't crumple it up and throw it on the floor. You wouldn't just give it to some random person to give to because that's your medicine and it's only meant to fix you for what you have in your problems. So mm-hmm. that's why I tell uh, people in the talking circle, like talk, talk to God with this feather and, and you're going to get what you want from him and God's going to, do some magical things for you with this feather. So treat it with respect. And if the person who has the feather, you need to treat them with respect too. And let them get what they need here in the circle. And it's all right. You know, if you're going to cry, cry. If you feel like you're going to cry, it's all right. Like you, so a lot of people will cry in our talking circles. And and um, I always tell them, that's how you know when God's here because God, it feels like you're going to cry. And don't ever keep that lump in your throat because you'll get sick. And then mm. eat that lump and you'll get anxiety, depression, sadness, grief, all those things come from that. And so, and I think that that kind of helped people open up and, and, and kind of um, feel safe, almost like a fellowship. And so that's kind of how the, the talking circle started getting, big, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. And then finally, I just was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm hungry. You know, I'm hungry today. I want more. This is, it kind of goes back to what I was saying, you know, like when you get sober and things like that, it's cool. And it's a good life. Don't get me wrong. And I, and I can't put into words how it's when when I was in addiction and people would say, you know, you got to give your life to God and life is so much better. And like, I would think about that and I would say, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it probably is. But that doesn't really say it. That doesn't give it any justice at all. When you start living a life down the red road and living better, 
life gets so much better every day. And it's, there are days in the past week where I've literally been driving to work and I probably look like a crazy person because I'm just like, thank you for this. Thank you for that, God. And I'm just so happy and I can't believe this is happening. And like, and I start crying. And I'm like, thank you for everything you do for me. And like, I'm not, you know, I, I, yeah, I know you know what I need. And I know you know, this is what you, you, you've set this me down this road for a reason. And I'm doing the best that I can. And if, if I, you need to help me, then help me. Do what you can for me. But two years ago, if you'd asked me, this is what I'd be doing today. I would have probably told you to take another hit, you know? So it's, it's <laughs> amazing that the things that happen and when you, you know, I I vowed my life to this and I, and I and I dedicate everything that I have to my life now to of being sober and living in a better way that uh, I would never, I can't imagine going back to that lifestyle and being in a dark place, that dark cell again, you know? That's just the way things are today. And life is good and, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's great and God works in those good ways. And, it all started with the talking circle in Great Falls. You know, that's what that's what started all that on this journey I'm on today. And Rocky Mountain Treatment Center, 100% hands down, has been that biggest push behind, behind me saying, go around, you know, if you, you want to do something, we got your back. If you want something this, you want that, we got your back, like, no problem. And they they were some of the biggest supporters that I have, you know, next to Veg Treatment Court, Next to Alluvion, you know, everybody, it goes, this goes on and on. My brother Calvin Don has given me some of the best advice I could have ever had. Um, and, you know, he he walks beside me in my, in my journey today. And, then, you know, I'm a big supporter of him too, you know. So there's just a lot of people who are, who are more than willing to, to push, push me along. And it's just, you know, life is just really good. So what you're doing for your community, I just want to say, is so powerful. Um, sharing that knowledge, sharing your experience, and really, you know, going back to where you were like, hey, nobody wants to uh, hire somebody with tattoos and a track record and, you know, tattoos on their face and a track record. And now um, all the work that you've done on yourself and all the support system that you've put in place has set you up for success and it set you up to be in a place to be like, hey, we want that guy over here. Like, we want that dude with the tattoos on his head because you can connect with a dynamics of individuals that I don't care how somebody can have a master's degree in psychiatry and whatever, but you can have a connection with people on a level that they wouldn't, that somebody that read it would never even understand. Mm -hmm. And so... A couple things is I wanted to say, you know, first of all, thank you for your service and thank you for, you know, all that you you continue your service on. And who's to say even in your addiction that you still didn't have that mindset? I know I did. I did dirty things in addiction, but I also had that mindset of helping others probably to the point where I put myself last, you know, and then yeah. I also wanted to say, you know, I'm really sorry for your loss, but what you're saying today, what you're sharing today is so vital and so important for so many different uh, dynamics of individuals, especially I think of our youth, you know, a huge part of me as an American Indian woman of us 
we're single parents and we're raising kids and these kids are finding connection and things like gangs and, and different things because, you know, they're so-called showing them family and love. And it's easy for them to pull our youth in with that, you know, in that position of not having a father, not having a father figure or a strong man in their life. And so to hear a Native American man, you know, stand up, take his, get his son, do these things that you are for your community. Um, you know, it, it's such an important message. When you're talking, I was thinking about my son, you know, my teenage son, how important it is that he hears and sees a strong Native American man in his community doing good work. And what makes it even stronger is that you came from where you did and look at you now, you know? And so I, it really sounds like, do you feel like you've, with all that different support from your job to the program, to the recovery community, do you feel like, um, you know, that, that tribe of support has been a big piece of where you're at today? Yeah, I, I think it's a huge piece of what's going on in my life today because um, I think the compassion that uh, sobriety and people in sobriety have is probably the number, you know, probably if not the number one thing that helps people, you know, people willing to turn around and give that hand back to people that need help to take a chance on people. You know, that's what it took to change my life was for someone to take a chance on me, you know, to say, hey, maybe, maybe this guy will make it against all odds because the truth of the matter is because I was a high risk. I was most likely to not make it. I was most likely to reoffend, and all these things that were against me. You know, there was a handful of people who said, "You know what? Why don't we give him a chance? You know, let's let's take a chance on him." I think I think something might if we could help him. You know, and that's what saved my life probably today is uh, those handful of individuals who, not not unknowingly, that they were maybe if they did believe in me at the time, but were just willing to take a chance and just say, hey, "Give him a chance. Let's let's try." Let's see what we can do with him, you know, and that's what saved my life. And I think um, that's what set me on the path where I'm at today is that compassion uh, to give back something that was given to me. You know, somebody took a chance on me. So, you know, now I want to try to help and in, in, in the type of people who are coming out of prisons, who are coming out of these programs and, and on the streets and addicted to fentanyl, addicted to meth and alcohol, who are you know, had a bad career in the military, dealing with post-traumatic stress, um, have mental health problems, whatever the case may be, you know, even the people who are being overlooked, who aren't being checked, having these boxes checked, who haven't had traumatic experience, who don't have a DOC number, who don't have a Fed number, you know, all these people, there's people out there that hopefully someday, even if it's just one or two people in, in, in the rest of my life that I can turn around and help and save their life, then I'm going to be good, you know, because... There's a whole bunch of people out there that need help, and I think that uh, it's important that we give people chances. You know, even if it, if they need a hundred of them, you know, I think that was the main thing for me is, to, you know, as it stands today, was somebody just took a chance and they didn't really know what was going to happen. And the least I could do for them giving me that chance today is to just do good and just, you know, show up to work, clock in, you know, go to a meeting. All like this, it's it's not hard. I just show up. And people accept me today, you know, they don't judge me. They don't shoo away from me when they see me and, and things like that, you know. And it's funny, actually, sometimes, Leah, <laughs> when, 
<laughs> when there's people that come into the uh, treatment center, you know, and they'll be like in detox and not really, and you know, a little shaky, and and I'll, and I'll come in and I'll be like, open the door, like, hey, how are you doing? Good morning, and they're like, oh, like, you know, for a second they probably yeah. think that the, the treatment center just got broke into. You know, they're just like, oh, it's okay, I work here, like, I'm supposed to be here. You know, and I'm right. Here's my badge. No, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because. There's some, there's a couple of guys who were like, you know, when I first seen you, right? Like the face tattoos were like, I didn't know what to expect. And he just started talking to us and, you know, it's not what, it's not what we expect from you. And so I think that with that being said, you know, I think there is a group of individuals out there that will be reached and that will see this and hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll stand up and fight for their lives and know that there's help out there. And, you know, I'm more than willing to help those individuals however I can, even if it's just talking and letting them hear how my life has changed so and it's huge because it's just this cycle right it's just a cycle of like people getting better helping other people those people honoring that and appreciating that and giving back and there's so much power in like offering a platform for people to speak and share because we never know my I have a sponsor too she always tells me, get out and share, go talk about it. And I'm like, I don't want them, nobody to know this, you know? And she's like, you got to let it out. Like you're saying, like that feeling in the back of your throat, you know? Yeah. We never know what somebody may need to hear. And I know, I know that there's going to be a lot of viewers and listeners that are going to get a lot out of what they heard today, because when you speak, you speak with. I tell Calvin this too. He speaks with thunder and that's the same for you. You got, there's no BSing, you know, there's, there's meaning and there's depth to what you have to say. And so I really appreciate you, you know, taking this time to visit with me and hopefully we could just get you back on here. I'm trying to work on like a panel of men because I'm on this trip. Well, a few of us women are on this trip of like, we need to get some strong Native American figures in a panel and have, you know, have a webinar or something because our yeah. kids, this day and age, like if I was to go back out and it's been six years for me, like it's got, it was getting crazy at the end of my, you know, stint there. Yeah. So you know, our kids are out there and they really need to hear from strong male figures like yourself and Calvin. And so I hope to have you back and thank you so much for sharing your story. Hey, your medicine. Thanks for having me, Leo. Yep. There's always hope. Recovery is possible. Recovery works. There is hope in recovery. Healing takes time. Recovery means resilience. You, know, you can get through anything. Recovery works. We got it.